Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. And it's Nick Hayes here. And as ever, my delightful co-host, Carmen Brainwood. Hello, Carmen. Hi, Nick Hayes. Good to be here. And I, I do love when we get an Aussie celeb on the line for one of our Experts Podcast episodes. And this is going to be really fun. Now, an Aussie celeb that, you know, when you hear the word loser, you don't actually think <laughs> that we've got a really red-hot uh, celebrity here. In oh. fact, uh, the show was called The Biggest Loser, and uh, I've got to admit, uh, when this particular person was uh, airing and going through uh, her reality TV experience, I was in the UK at the time. I actually missed it. But I saw the very first series of The Biggest Loser, and I loved it. I played along with it. I actually tried to lose a few kilos myself, um, <laughs> put them all back on though, uh, but it was a lot of fun. But Alison Braun, welcome to the Experts Podcast. Thank you very much. And funny, are you so celebrity? I, I probably call myself um, the grandmother of reality TV, it feels like, to be honest. The grand? Well, you <laughs> recently are. You're not that far into being a grandmother. How many, well, how many yeah, kids have you got? That's, I've, I've got three grandchildren. But oh. uh, when I say when I say grandmother of TV, because there really wasn't much, you know. I think we're what the third year of reality TV. No one really knew it that much. Yeah, you know, it was fifteen years ago. So I'm literally the grandmother of it. I feel like. Oh, lovely, Alison. The thanks for loser. taking us back to answer that question. Yeah. So, which series of Biggest Loser was it for you? Um, so I was series three. So that was two thousand and eight. Great. So a long time ago now. <laughs> And, and th that experience, 2008, it was, you know, Big Brother had only sort of just been, yeah. you know, up and about for a while. Reality TV as a whole was emerging. What, what made you sign up for it, other than obviously wanting to go on and lose some weight? Look, yeah, that was the thing. I, ironically, um, I, I actually really disliked the name Biggest Loser. So I watched the, the, the second series and um, I was 125 kilos at that point in time. So it really resonated with me watching it. And I watched these contestants start and really change, not just physically, but quite emotionally as well. And I remember sitting and watching Finale. And I remember watching all the contestants and going, oh, my God, I'd love to do that. Um, but I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't do that. We make a pretty quick call almost instantly on what we can and can't do. And um, then there was a contestant call that went out um, to go online and apply. But of course, even back then, I didn't even know how to take a photo, upload it and put it online and apply because, you know, we've grown so much technology mm. since then. So my actual application to Luther was um, I had, I applied and like everything, you just you never think you're going to get chosen for these things. 
But my application, my I was actually upside down. I uploaded my photo upside down. Um, and I, I didn't know how to fix it. And I just went, ah, submit. And yeah, and here I am. There Ali, you are. I, I certainly remember it. Back then I was producing Breakfast Radio here in Perth and I'm pretty sure you were residing in Perth back then when you applied. Is that how it went? And so you were our, we, we, the champions of you. We were following you along that journey when you were on television in front of us. Yeah. And the other thing that I remember about your performance yeah. is that you're great talent, as we say, in the biz. And that really has a lot to say about what kind of continued on for you. You had a lot of great successes in the media that came post Biggest Loser. Could you tell us about what happened afterwards? Actually, do you know what I want to do is touch on beforehand because when you go into the show, I mean, I I was a mum of three from Perth. I had no clue what the hell I was doing. Mm. We were going to production, um, you know, interviews at the end of each day and a lot of the time I would have a lot longer in interviews I generally believed that I was doing it wrong because I didn't know that probably what I had and my expression and I could speak well and I was very emotional with everything that I was going through that made good TV. I didn't know that at the time because I had mm. no clue what what made good TV. You know, I've never worked in the industry. Um, uh, you know, I've worked in, in aged care and dementia care and, as I said, I've been a mum since I was 17. So... I had no clue. It was only afterwards that I realised that there was um, something that worked there and I, I suppose I had um, a story that a lot of people could relate to and and I was um, able to articulate that well but um, I was very real with all my emotions that I was going through and, and probably took a bit of a risk um, showing that at times. In fact, actually the show didn't sh- at times um, production didn't really show how feisty I was, but mm. I was um, quite um, probably I became quite strong, but um, and probably quite uh, well, quite a leader within my team. But at times, um, that wasn't shown uh, up until about the end. That, that it's that realness, though, Ellie. It's that mm. realness yeah. and authentic yeah. you. I, I, I feel, and, and a lot of the people that I met that were around you and the way they connected with you, to your point, was that you they could connect with you. You, you weren't that polished uh, performer. You were just being you. And I think that's just such a great message for those that are listening to the, to the podcast in that, you know, when we think that we have to be a certain way within the media, because that's the way we've always seen it with others, that we have to be this almost robotic type style deliverer of information and content and not be our true selves. Yeah. That's you. Yeah, look, uh, thanks, Nick. And and I've really tried very hard to, to not lose that because yeah. I've, I've felt that's probably the one thing that people have always been attracted to. And I think when we look at reality TV and um, we, we watch that now, it, it, it does feel very scripted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I do believe my season is probably one of the, the last true seasons of, of very real reality TV. And mm. although um, you still have production, there is still, it's it's not scripted, but, you know, obviously there is still a story and there is um, you know, parts that need to be delivered, but they really allowed us to um, be us and you got to see who we were. Um, and 
And I have noticed uh, over the years that's probably been the, the one thing that people continuously come back to and are, are attracted to and, and feel comfortable to ask you questions. I mean, I, I've been in many different spaces. If um, if you're, you you can't put on a facade for, for 15 years, no. um, that yeah. drops away at some point. Uh, so you know, all you've got is, is to be you, to be genuine and, and organic and real. What did it feel like when you left... You left The Biggest Loser. Mm-hmm. You were a, an employee in a sense of Channel 10 for the next yes. decade because your yeah. contract was keeping you there. But what what did it feel like leaving there? Because I, I know that I think you felt that there was an enormous shock. And I remember a story you once told me when you left the hotel uh, yeah. and the girl behind the reception said, I was hoping you would win. Or mm. I was hoping it was you that was going to get there. Well, she knew was, she followed your journey. Yeah, it was actually when I was um, I became a finalist and I checked into a hotel, and you have to remember this was it was actually um, I, I was a bit traumatized actually when I checked into the hotel because I'd been um, a part of production for four months and um, well you know, three months sorry at that point in time. And so three months I had people around me every single day telling me what to do, where to go, when you could go to the bathroom, what you had to wear, um, when to get up, um, how much training have you done, and surrounded continuously. Um, on top of that, I had, you know, you never, you don't have any money, you don't see any news, you don't see any media. I had three phone calls home the entire time. No. Um, and that was really traumatic, extremely traumatic. I had to completely disconnect from my children. Uh, mm. I spent probably the first month crying um, to mm. sleep every night, um, wow. and I had to I had to disconnect just to survive, um, which has other impacts um, when you get home. And when I was released uh, to go home for a finalist, so of course Kirsten and Sam were both Sydney based, so I had to fly back to Perth. So they, you know, one of the the crew drops me at a hotel, and I walk in, and the girl behind the counter uh, to check me in. Now I was given back my phone and my um, purse. I didn't even know how to. I, I've forgotten how to get use my mobile phone. <sighs> it was it was so bizarre, and. Um, the girl behind the counter just looked at me. She says, I'm so sorry. I'll be with you in a moment. I've just got to get my husband to to, to record the show. Alison's calling her kids tonight and I don't want to miss it. Oh. And I was just standing there going, oh. In the, in the foyer, their TV was on and The Biggest Loser came on and I was the first person in the opening credits. Now, again, we haven't seen any of this. No. Yeah. And so I'm then watching it and I'm standing there and I'm going, this is insane because you forget you're filming a reality TV show. You don't see mm. any of it. That becomes your normality. That's your normal life. And the girl spoke to her husband and then came back to me and she stood in front of me. She said, I'm so sorry. And then she looked at me <laughs> and she went, oh, oh my God, you're innocent. And then she went into this complete meltdown <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, I have no clue what to actually even do here. Um, so eventually uh, I, that was my first experience of someone knowing me and recognising me, mm. um, which is very difficult because you you don't know that that's going to happen. You don't expect it because you're, you're not prepared for any of that. Mm. Yeah, it's 
it's something that I think that, you know, particularly when it's thrusted upon you all of a sudden, and it's not something that you can actually mentally get yourself sorted and ready for. But as much as that also might have been great for the ego and might have been great also too for, wow, I I have had an impact and and have made a, a mark on people's lives, it wasn't always good. It was it was the negative aspects that came with it as well. Just talk us through a few of those. Yes, look, it, it was the and I haven't spoken a lot about this, and I think this is a really and I'm, I'm probably only more comfortable now speaking of this because um, you know before I was I felt I almost felt like I I had a responsibility and um, I, I had to I felt like I owed production. Uh, Channel Ten and Fremantle Media for for the opportunity as such, mm-hmm. but never really got to recognise that with that opportunity, you know, that there is that word opportunity. But what comes with that are some sacrifices always. Mm-hmm. So when I got home, um, so of course, as I said earlier, when I was on the show, I had to disconnect from my family. I had to disconnect from my children. I'd be sitting on the bus going to a challenge, and I'd have this massive anxiety of something that I need to be doing, or something I have to be doing. And then I'd realise, ah, oh, it's three o'clock in Perth. That's my body's natural time bell to be picking the kids up from school. Mm. Well, eventually all of that went. All mm. of those things that, and then it was just about me. And I was in a competition, so I was very selfish. I had to be selfish. And I had never been selfish in my life. <laughs> and so when I got home, I found I had completely disconnected from my family. And I found it very difficult to connect again. Um, I would be shopping and I would watch a couple of kids walk past me and then I'd go into a major panic and think, crap, I haven't picked the kids up from school. Mm -hmm. My kids would be just waiting there for me to pick them up because I'd forgotten to to do that. So it's really, um, it was, there was some, we would go shopping and we would be stopped continuously. And also remember, you're not playing a character. Um, mm. it's, you know, I had to learn pretty quickly that every single person I met knew my family, knew my kids' names, knew who I was, knew my struggles, knew my fears, knew my loves. They knew everything about me and I had no clue who this person was standing. And I, you know, I suppose ironically, developed a talent to be able to talk to anyone, anytime and almost be quite open with that. But it was um, it was probably, you know, I, I had some wonderful things that I learned about myself that I will be always so internally grateful for. Um, but, again, with that becomes the negatives. And, you know, um, my I, I went away very soft and very calm and very dedicated mum. In fact, um, I didn't even have any clue who I was. I was defined as a wife and a mother, and the show really did help me find myself, Alison. The side effect to that was my when I came home, um, I was a different mum. So there was um, there was a great loss for my children because I was never that person ever again. Mm. And, and and they had to get used to having a very different mum there. Um, and and that's that's a very large impact. Alison, that is incredibly deep. That's, mm. That is, uh, I, I don't think anyone really, uh, unless they've gone through that kind of experience before, would ever know what that feels like. 
Um, and I, I particularly think, you know, if you've you've been put into that position where it, it's a complete transformation, uh, not just from your body, from the, yeah. from the loss of uh, body weight, which was, I mean, for me personally watching you and for everyone that was watching you at the time, um, and I did have to watch reruns because I was in the UK, but the watching you transform but not realising what was going on within you, the mm -hmm. real transformation that was going on at your end and within yeah. your family. Um, yeah. and incredible. I think I think, um, I think it's really, I think Biggest Loser is a very interesting one, in fact, that because you've got um, you've got a physical transformation, you've got a very strong mental and emotional transformation as well because you, you are in a situation where you're in reality TV, you, you have to do what you're told. And you, you're also, um, you're not in a real world. None of it is real. You have got scenarios that have been created for you every single day. You have situations of competition which you're placed in, which is tapping into another part of you. I've, I've worked out that I'm extremely competitive, still mm -hmm. am. Went to you know, a darts night the other night and wanted to practice beforehand and this was social darts. Um, <laughs> it's, but when you're, when, you're, um, when you're changing physically and being stretched mentally, uh, for me, that's, as I said, that's the greatest gift. A lot of people thought that it's the weight loss. Look, don't get me wrong, wrong that, that's great. But it was getting stretched mentally and finding out all my strengths that has been the biggest tool that has helped my success being in this space and, and successfully staying fit and healthy afterwards. Because if you don't get uncomfortable, then there is no change. And that's why you'll see those contestants who stay a lot longer, they have that change. Yeah. However... There is a real, um, there's a very fine line between um, having a positive change in body image and negative. And I suppose I'm, I'm quite grateful I have a, a different toolkit and was able to look at things a little bit differently with some of the very negative things that came come from the fact that you were told on a daily basis that you are a fat person. And because you are a fat person, you're a bad person. Mm. And when you get thin you're going to be a much better person hmm. and you're going to be more lovable and likeable. And I can tell you now that was the complete opposite because hmm. I was a much nicer person when I was a bigger person and when I was overweight and when I had lost all the weight and apparently according to society and according to media and according to Loser, I was an amazing success for them, I was pretty horrible person at that point in time. I didn't like myself. I wasn't good to other people. Um, I was selfish and self-centered. And um, I was, yeah, I lost, I lost all the softness of me, mm. ironically. Alison, there's so much self-awareness oh. coming through from what you're sharing. You've obviously done a lot of work in recent years to, you know, be able to reflect on that time in this very frank and open way that you're doing right now. Looking back on that time, you mentioned the mental toolkit that you were given from the Biggest Loser experience. Do you think that the show's producers uh, supported you through that time or was it the mental toolkit that got you through on its own? No. I didn't know. <laughs> um, look, it's really hard. You, it's an odd way to say it without any disrespect to anyone, prisoner of war, it's, but it's like prisoner of war. You know, you, you, you are, 
the the crew becomes your family, and mm. um, and sometimes, you know, I do remember. I remember one time I, I was I was great, I was great content because I, I was the only one on the show who had children. So mm. um, anytime they needed a bit of content, they would you know sit me down, and if things weren't going so well, they would sit me down and go. Um, you know, are you, how guilty are you feeling about leaving your children to do this? Mm. And, um, and there came, it, it got about halfway through the show, uh, about three quarters, and I started getting a bit feisty with that question, those mm. questions, and started becoming a bit stronger. And at that point I said, no more. Do, do not, do not mm. bring mm. me and me as a mother and what I'm doing here into a conversation, into interview ever again. If you do, mm-hmm. I walk. Wow. And um, but it took me a long time to actually get to that point because you are you are manipulated without you even realizing because it's a completely different world and it's not real and you spend twenty four seven in it thinking of it and that's it. That's all you have. So yeah. it's really hard. When I came when I came off the show, um, I was very lonely for a long time because. I had had this massive change physically and mentally and I couldn't connect with all my friends because they had no idea what I'd been through. And not only that, um, my moral compass had never changed. Who I was you know, I, you know, as a person had never changed. But because I looked differently and I had a different confidence about myself, I would be... You know, I'd be standing next to my girlfriend's husbands and I'd have my arm around them, chatting away the way I usually would. And um, and before, you know, when I was 122 kilos, they'd go, oh, that's Ali. We love her. Mm, and yeah. now I'll do it. I'll go, get your hand off my husband. Oh, wow. The, the, mm. the entire view of me changed. Everything changed the way people looked at me. Um, and, and so... I had to learn how to manage myself differently and, and change the way that I was around people because, because it impacted people. Because change, change challenges people. Mm. Change challenges and no one likes change. But what I can tell you now, well, no one likes positive change. <laughs> well, not many people because positive change really highlights the things that you haven't done and you're not doing in your life. So yeah. when positive change comes into a room, it's extremely confronting, and um, and this was uh, a, a really difficult one for me to have to deal with. And I I actually had to close the door on a lot of friendships, and I walked away from a lot of friendships and started again. Oh, it's and you know what? It's it's it is it is that, isn't it? We 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 were following your success, and then and at the end of the day, it questions our own success and whether we're able and, and have the ability to do it ourselves and to, for, to be put into that position with friends that were pre-programmed uh, uh, to the, the post-program and, and to have them feeling yeah. that way, not only your own issues that you would have been going through, but then having to deal with theirs as well, what an impact that would have had on you. I I, I feel for it. Um, Ellie, you and I know, knew each other very, uh, in the earlier yeah. days, we, we, we yeah. did some uh, time and work for uh, the great organisation Lifeline who... We were very much wanting to, because you were a great ambassador and very vocal about this because of your own personal experience. And I, I don't want to go oh. into a space where you're not comfortable oh. with, but comfortable. this this happened around the same time that you came out. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, um, it, it was, I suppose I was dealing with all of that. I was just trying to find myself and, and reconnect with my family again. And um, my husband had, um, yeah, he's, he'd suffered with mental health and depression for uh, all of his life, really. Um, and so six months after I came off the show, I was actually in Sydney filming an advert and um, for the Biggest Loser Club at that point in time. And um, uh, I, I had a call in the middle of the night, unfortunately, and my, my husband had suicided. And, um, you know, that, it, it, it rocked me. In fact, that was another um, interesting situation where I realised my life was very different. I didn't sleep all night. I had my manager come and organise the first flights back home from Perth. Um, I had my manager say to me, um, Ali, don't talk to anyone about this. You're going to need some money and we'll need to get an exclusive story. And I just remember standing there in the airport going, what the hell is my life? This, is, this, mm. this isn't real. Mm. And I was in an enormous amount of shock, but, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't talk to anyone. I got on a plane. And, of course, because... I was everywhere in the media at that point in time and my series of Loser was really big. So, of course, I'm sitting on an aeroplane. I had not slept. Uh, my husband has just passed away. All I could hear in the background when my mum and the police had called me was my children crying mm. and I couldn't and wasn't there. I desperately wanted to get oh. back to my children. And I had to, I had that many people on that flight come up to me and want to have a photo with me and want to have mm. an autograph and want to ask about the show and want to ask about Shannon and Commander and mm. Commando and, and Michelle. And I just had to be graceful and just give as much as I could. And at one point I, I just needed to stand up and because I felt like I was going to pass out and the flight attendant came up to me and she goes, we thought it was you. Can you get a picture with the crew before you get off? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I went to stand up and she goes, oh, what are you doing? I said, oh, I just need some fresh air. And um, she said, oh, you're not going to get any fresh air here. Mm. And and then I, I fell down a little bit because I was just exhausted at this point. She goes, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not actually. Um, look, I, my husband's just passed away I, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment I, I just need some quiet space somewhere and then she goes well what are you doing on a plane oh. like, I'm trying to get home yeah just trying to get home mm. they were great at that point but it's and I've, I always say to people you know never underestimate what's going on in someone else's life when you yeah. speak to them and you know I, I realized what I had a role pretty quickly um, after the show and I had a responsibility and I, I took that with great honour um, and even in that darkest time I still understood that these people don't know what's going in, on in their life in my life mm. I recognised mm. very quickly that they've watched me and they've got some you know they've excited to see me and meet me and they want to know stuff so I respect that because mm. that might be the only time they get to have a chat with me so you're sitting in all these different courts, um, probably trying to please everyone. Um, yeah. But it that's what I'm hearing, Alison. That 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 it remained in you this uh, people pleasing humil humility of that 125 kilo woman you used yeah. to be, and you were maybe too scared yeah. to actually have spoken up at the start of that flight and maybe said to the flighties or to the crew, 
I need some help from you right now. I'm going through a family tragedy, you know, and you would probably do that now, but then you you weren't able to articulate that for fear of upsetting people. Yeah. Yeah, look, and I think it, as I said, it also was this um, this very odd, and I've only been thinking about it of recent because I still do have it. I still have, you know, still because my season's on Prime still at the moment. So, yeah, people come up and, and still know me and my girlfriends always say, do you not get sick of telling the same story? <laughs> I go, well, actually, no, because, because that's the first time that person's heard that story. So it's mm. very important. Doesn't matter that I've said it many times. That's the first time that person's heard the story, and they're the ones that come up to me. So I, I'm gracious and, and grateful for that. But I, um, yeah, I've, I've learned to do things a little bit better. But I, I still will. Um, I, I, as much as it's been challenging, uh, would I do it again? Yes, I would. I do some things differently. <laughs> wow, and that, that was the question I was I was going to ask you, Alison. Is you know, if would you do it again? Would you, given the opportunity, would the Alison twenty twenty three, when talking back and you know going back to two thousand and eight, would mm-hmm. would you would you tell what would you tell Alison of two thousand and eight? What kind of advice would you give her? I'd definitely. Yes, do it again. Um, I think the advice I would give her is um, to uh, trust in herself a little bit more and and ask for help mm-hmm. um, and and seek uh, guidance a little more in things that that you'd like to achieve and do. Um, but you need to hone your skill a little bit to, or. And, and trust in just trust in yourself um, a little more. You know, back yourself. I, I probably had a lot of self doubt on opportunities that I could have had after the show, and um, withdrew from them. Uh, which that that's probably the one thing that I change because certainly had the skill set there to do it, just not the confidence really to follow yeah. through. Because I always sat in a position of. Um, uh, almost a little bit of imposter syndrome because I was someone who came from reality TV and I don't have any talent in that space because you're just reality TV. Um, and yet I probably was quite good in, in a, a lot of the opportunities I would have had mm. and could have had even further. Um, but it was a bit of that imposter syndrome, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, well, there's no imposter sitting in front of me here right now. <laughs> They're definitely not. And, and Al, is it is it... How long has it taken for you to, to I mean, you've been so forthright and so f- um, f- free with your, your your feelings and your position here. How, how long had, did it take and to, to be able to do this? Has it taken up till now or have you ha- you've got yourself into a good place now and you, you, you yeah. look, you're, you're, you're confident and ready to go? How long did it really take? Yeah, look, I spent a long time on the speaking circuit, and um, and that was all extremely genuine. Uh, by absolutely, um, ironically, I, I'm not on the speaking circuit anymore, and um, I'm probably a, a much stronger speaker now than ever before. Um, I, I would, and the reason why I moved a, a away from the speaking circuit is because there was a very big part of me that didn't feel that I was um, being honest with myself 
And I couldn't really articulate that in a speaking space. And I feel that if you're not genuine when you stand up and speak, then that audience is going to feel and hear that and then you have no power. Mm. Um, So I actively made a choice to move away from that. I would say, Nick, it's probably been probably the last uh, three years, three, four years, but probably predominantly the last two years that I've got to a really different space, um, which uh, just just able to be a little bit more honest, I think, um, with the, the whole situation of everything that loser brought. You know, I said I, I always sit in both arenas saying how grateful I am for the opportunity. But my God, there there was a there was a lot of trauma that came along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, you know has impacted a lot of people. Um, yeah, it, yeah. But as I said I would would still do it again. You've just given me chills, Alison, because mm-hmm. I think you're ready to go back onto that speaking circuit if you're ready to do it. Because I think mm-hmm. what you've just delivered here uh, on the Experts Podcast is is the cold, hard reality of what does go on in reality TV, but also to the lessons learned and also, you know, that you are a winner. You're not the biggest loser. You are Australia's biggest winner. And you're a winner because you've actually worked it all out yourself and what you've actually had to go through. Um, hats off to you. I think you've you've done it and you've done it proudly and you've done it and brought your family along back with it and I and I see that on Instagram if you're a follower of uh, Alison uh, Braun get uh, make sure you're following her on Instagram because she brings that whole life to life just with her family and and with yourself Ellie I, I, I calms I can't uh, I, I don't think uh, we've ever, ever done an experts podcast like this where you know you've really we've dived deep and mm. you've just absolutely delivered Alison yeah, it's beautiful to hear, Alison. Thank you for the inspiration. There's a lot of inspiration uh, for those of us listening to hear, you know, that you've taken on those life lessons and you're able to operate now as you embark on new projects in a way that's much more authentic to you and you're able to stand up for yourself and say what you need and trust that you're not going to be penalised in life for that. And there's a lot of us women in particular, I would say, working in the media as well who've struggled yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, so well done. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's been really Ali- great if people do want to reach out to you, they want to make contact with you. What's the best way to do it? Oh, look, um, you know, if it's if they they're if you're happy, Nick, to to reach out to you and uh, by all means um, pass on or, or via email. It it um, that's at alisonjbraun.com. Uh, Alison Bay, Alison J Braun at gmail.com. But uh, through through you, Nick. Um, yeah, I, look, I I think if. If you are looking for a speaker, if you if you're going heading into that space, Ellie, I don't know if you actually are yet, but I tell you what, please consider it. More people need to hear your story. Uh, we've only just scratched the surface today. This is just yeah. the, the tiny little scratch of a surface of what this story holds behind all of this. There is so I much. Sense more that. I sense that, and more people need to hear it. Well, well done, Ellie. I really appreciate you coming on the Experts Podcast, and I know that a lot of our listeners will appreciate it as well to get behind the scenes. And I think if I'm going to really tell a big story here for anyone that's looking to emerge into the media, obviously you're not going to get the reality TV opportunity that Alison has had, but be real. 
be authentic, mm. be you. And I think mm. that was really what obviously is what attracted people to Alison and what her journey was because she wasn't a product of or a, a mechanic put together uh, person that sometimes we do see on TV, contri- contrived version. Mm. Alison was truly Alison. And at the end of the day, people loved her. And I think it's a great message for everyone to do that. And uh, thank you, Alison, for sharing some really deep emotional experiences there. It's uh, it's really humbling to, to get that from you. Thanks, guys. Great morning. Thank, thank you. you. And Calms, another great one. I think maybe one of the best ones. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Really thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, lots to whet the appetite well of the listening media and those on the speaker circuit too, I'd say. Yeah, look out for Alison Braun. Well, I'm, I'm actually now going to be jumping off and talking to Alison and become her manager now. <laughs> I think I need to I think I need to, to just well. get that because I think if, when people hear this, um, mm-hmm. you're going to want to hear more from Alison Braun. Well, that was uh, the Experts podcast. We look forward to having your company when we talk to another expert and another media next week. See you next week. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.